Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Good morning. I'm Alexander McLean. This talk is part of our series on resilient discipleship, looking at Romans. This is part five of our series. Last week, Kenny spoke on Romans 4. Next week, Zeke speaks on Romans 5, and I occupied the space in between them. I'm really pleased to be here this week uh, as Viv and Steve celebrate their 25th anniversary. We've been part of this church since, I think, week three or four. We've been moved and inspired and humbled by Viv and Steve's example of radical love and acceptance and the way that they've welcomed us and others again and again and again. Viv and Steve, we're proud to be part of you and we love you. I think that goes for so many of us here and so many of those watching. And if you want to send a message of love or encouragement to Viv and Steve in the chat, please do so. In this talk, I'm going to be reflecting on some of the areas in my life where I've needed resilience. The role of resilience for Christians as a creative minority. And some of those whose examples I think we might draw upon at this time will finish with a time of Lexio Divina, divine reading together. I'm a lawyer. I interpret the world through words. Initially, this talk was a fair bit longer, but I've cut it back, recognizing that as we reflect on suffering, Sometimes words aren't what's needed. We'll make time for silence to listen to what God's saying. I'm sorry to the team helping with my slides for the fact that I've cut a few out. Uh, so forgive me for keeping you on your toes. This series on resilience builds on our earlier series on Nehemiah and its themes of reconstruction, perseverance, and living fully in the midst of uncertainty. Over the last 12 months, my family and I have moved house five times. We've had a baby. We've homeschooled two children and moved them from school in Kenya to Britain. I started a new job, had an unplanned operation and time in hospital. Our car engine went twice. Uh, we've taken care of a very sick parent. And this uh, period was preceded by 18 months where we lost three babies to miscarriage. My wife, Hannah, who's a psychiatrist, lost a patient to suicide. We've received incredible generosity and kindness and love in the midst of this period, but it's required a lot of energy, physical and emotional, and perhaps resilience. I share my experiences uh, with you because I've realized that our experiences shape us, that it's not always helpful to compare ourselves to others, even though there may always be those who are worse off than us. About a dozen years ago, I went to visit a friend who was on death row in Uganda. He asked me how I was doing. And I explained the challenges and concerns I was facing. He said, well, I got the death penalty. And it gave me a sense for many years afterwards that actually my problems were so small as to be insignificant compared to many others. I think in God's eyes, with each of us as his children, who he knows and sees and loves, when our hearts ache, he stands with us. He's concerned. He cares. Viv caught my attention when she first mentioned this theme of resilient discipleship. My wife Hannah and I consider ourselves to be people who keep on keeping on. Sometimes we talk about ourselves as bulldozers. <laughs> people who don't give up, 
But I'm not sure that that's resilience. Much of my work is with people in prison. With respect to his time in prison, Oscar Wilde said, the problem with prison isn't that they break our hearts. Our hearts are made to be broken, but rather they turn our hearts to stone. I think Wilde captured the fact that sometimes to cope with pain, stress or change, we harden ourselves. We close off, we put up walls. Kay Warren of Saddleback Church in America said last week, with respect to the challenges she's faced in her life and what resilience means to her, especially since her son's death to suicide eight years ago, people get bitter if they don't anticipate the hardness of life. I imagine that over the last year, very many of us have experienced challenges we couldn't have foreseen. And now we're getting a sense of the impact they've had and will have on us. I imagine there will be a period for many of us, individually and collectively, of retrospection on 2020 and 2021. How these years have formed us and our communities. I consider my talk today to come at a moment of transition. We've had glimpses of new ways of being, new ways of doing things, new ways of living. I think many of us are still unsure as to which of them we'll keep as we go into the future and which we'll let go of. I think many of us are trying to make sense of where we stand as we hear messages of hope about the vaccine, about lockdown lifting, about life opening up, and contrast them with images that we see of death and illness on a grand scale in India and elsewhere, but also uncertainty about work, about mental health, about what the future holds closer to home. This talk isn't given with the benefit of hindsight, but rather still feeling very much in the midst of a period of turbulence. When we're invited to consider what it means to be resilient disciples, I don't think it means just to keep going like the Energizer Bunny and the battery adverts. I don't think it means to push on regardless of how we feel and what's motivating us. Mindful of 1 Corinthians 13.2, which says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. My constant companions during COVID have been prisoners and prison officers in Uganda and Kenya. I lead an organization which works to defend the defenseless through legal education and training and practice. Over the last year, it's been possible for me to meet online regularly with prisoners and prison officers for legal education and training, but also for times of prayer, meditation, and Lectio Divina. Despite the adversity and challenges they face, I found a remarkable sense of perseverance, openness, and trust amongst the people that I've journeyed with in prison during this pandemic. Not to say that there's not fear and uncertainty amongst them too, I think that perhaps when things of fundamental value are taken away from us, like our freedom, we're forced to give up some of our sense of control in our lives. And perhaps inadvertently, we're taught something of how to be present in the moment, of how to adjust our position and views according to our current situation. I think that for all of us, as much as we may hope to avoid it, suffering can be our teacher.
what suffering teaching you today? Three years ago, I was speaking to a woman who's become a friend in a maximum security prison in East Africa. She was in her early 20s and had recently been brought to prison. After joining prison, she trained as a paralegal with us. She said she found a huge satisfaction in helping her fellow women, sometimes in prison with their children, to understand the law, defend themselves, and often win their freedom. Typically, she was full of energy and full of life, but on this occasion, she seemed downcast. I asked her what was the matter. She said after waiting for some years for her trial, she'd gone to court, had it, and been convicted. She was now waiting to be taken back to court, to be sentenced for her crime. She seemed to be very subdued and fearful about the future. The words of Romans 5 came to mind, and I shared them with her. We rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame. She was subsequently sentenced to death. As I look back on that moment, I wonder whether it was presumptive of me to think I had a right to speak into her situation in the way I did. Moreover, to suggest that something positive could come out of a situation I couldn't imagine being in myself. Since then, I've had moments of formative suffering, most especially losing twins in the middle of pregnancy, who held their funeral two years ago this week, which have brought uh, those sentences from Romans vividly to life for me in new ways. I've been reminded that it's often in moments of raw pain that we are open to receiving love from others in new ways, that we recognize our interdependence and interconnectedness, and perhaps refocus on what really matters beyond the distractions and demands of daily life. It's also as a result of suffering and challenging experiences that we can put up walls, find unhelpful coping mechanisms, isolate ourselves from those around us, and sometimes see bitterness forming in our hearts. As a church, we've committed to getting proximate to those who are suffering, and we know that if we are suffering, broken-hearted, poor or poor in spirit, a captive or from prison, we are welcome here. Thanks, Viv and Steve, for that. As we share life with each other, those of us who are in the midst of suffering and those of us who choose to accompany those who are suffering, recognizing that in a moment and throughout our life, we'll each be in both positions, I believe that we are changed. Where do you stand today? Are you waiting for someone to come and put their arm around you? Are you standing alongside others whose hearts are broken? Saint Oscar Romero said, there are many things that can only be seen through eyes that have cried. He captured the essence of the idea that suffering can be a teacher and shape our perspective, and also that it can create new insights. Viktor Frankl, who was a Jew imprisoned in various Nazi concentration camps, wrote in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, that when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. He also wrote, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, I think this possibility of making choices despite our circumstances, and in particular choosing to love, goes to what it means to be resilient disciples. Opening ourselves up, 
reaching out to each other, being vulnerable, sharing life with others, especially those who are different from us, is not always easy. Seeking as a church to be people who preach good news, who bind up, people who proclaim freedom and release, as Isaiah 61 says, might seem audacious. It can also seem exhausting and overwhelming. There's a rabbinical phrase that says, we mustn't get tired of doing work that has no end, which I think applies to all the actions mentioned in Isaiah 61. We may look around us in our immediate community and beyond it and think that the need is great, that we're few, that there's little we can do to make a difference, and who are we in any event to try to do so? I believe that the opportunity today for us as Christians is to be a creative minority, to borrow the title of U.S. Pastor John Tyson's book. In it, he argues that the church is called to love the world into new life through redemptive participation, that the creativity and thoughtfulness with which we live out love in our community can shape it and have a multiplier effect. I've been moved by the example of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor who stood up to Hitler and was executed. Harriet Tubman, a former slave who worked the Underground Railroad, leading slaves to their freedom in America at great risk. And Sister Odette Provost, a nun in Algeria in the 1990s, at a time when Christians were being persecuted and murdered there. Each was a Christian trying to act in love, in a prevailing culture which seemed not to be loving nor compassionate, and in fact posed a threat to them. Each, through their concrete actions and words, was able to bring hope to their community. In Bonhoeffer's case, and Odette's, paying with their lives. These are examples of Christians who have inspired me and whose example of resilient discipleship I think is relevant in my life as I try to live out uh, Isaiah 61. Who are the people who inspire you? Are you looking to their lives an example to help equip you to be a resilient disciple at this time? We'll now spend some time doing Lectio Divina on the first five Rome, verses of Romans 5. We do Lexio together, believing that God can speak to each one of us now just as we are, if we're full of joy, full of expectation, if our hearts are broken, if our faith has gone, we're full of frustration. I hope that doing so sets Zekart well for next week when he'll look at chapter 5 in more detail. In particular, as we reflect on this passage together, reading it slowly and then having a time of silence afterwards to ask God, what are you saying to me right now, just as I am through it? We can ask, if suffering is a teacher, what am I learning? And also reflect on what the next phase of life might look like, what it means to be a creative minority, a resilient disciple, there are ways we need to face our own suffering. From the last 18 months, are there areas of our lives where we've been hardened or become bitter or more open? I'll read the passage twice. After each, there'll be a pause for silent reflection when we might ask God to speak to us individually. The first time, we might reflect on a word or phrase in the passage that speaks to us and what God's saying through it. If we want to share it in the chat, we can do so. 
with the second reading, we might reflect on how we respond to these words in the hours and days and weeks to come. I know that doing church from home can be hard, that it's easy to disengage. I've shared a lot of words. I hope that in the minutes ahead, you'll take this opportunity to pause and listen deeply to what's going on within you and around you and what God's saying to you. God, as we reflect on your word, we invite you to speak to us now just as we are. Come, Holy Spirit. So I read the passage the first time. We'll have a time of silence. Think if there's a word or phrase that speaks to us and what God's saying to us through it. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. As we listen for a second time, there's a chance to ask, how do I respond to this in the hours and days and weeks to come? Again, if we'd like to share in the chat, we can do so. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts, through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. As we seek to respond to the possibilities of this moment, in love, as resilient disciples, I hope we'll also recognize the need to make time for rest, for contemplation, to sustain ourselves. You might like to look up uh, this book, The Praxis Rule of Life, it's a community that um, I've enjoyed being part of for many years. It draws on teachings from the likes of St. Augustine and St. Benedict to suggest ways in which we might live as resilient disciples, ways in which we might balance action with contemplation. As we go out and give and receive love, let us recognize the beauty in today as Sister Odette, the nun who was murdered in Algeria about 20 years ago, put it, in this note found on her body after she was killed. Live today's day. God gives it to you. It belongs to you. Live it in God. 
Tomorrow's day belongs to God. It doesn't belong to you. Do not impose today's worry upon tomorrow. Tomorrow belongs to God. Hand it over to him. The present moment is a frail footbridge. If you wear it down with yesterday's regrets, tomorrow's anxiety, the footbridge gives way and you lose your footing. The past, God forgives it. The future, God gives it. Live today's day in communion with him. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.